I think that process is really important for developing one's English and also for developing one's legal analytical skills. Yeah, I think you're right. So on the SAT, you only have to pick the right answer. But in this discussion, we're really focused on the conversation and the language we use to think through. And that's the kind of language you're going to need to uh, engage in communication in U.S. legal culture. Welcome to the U.S. Law Essentials Law and Language Podcast, the legal English podcast for non-native English speakers that helps you improve your English listening, improve your legal English vocabulary, and build your knowledge of American legal culture. Hi, this is Daniel. And before we begin today's episode, I want to remind you that U.S. Law Essentials offers online courses in legal English and online courses in U.S. law. Our courses are designed for international attorneys, students, translators, and bar candidates. If you have any questions, please contact Daniel at daniel at uslawessentials.com. Also, please visit us at uslawessentials.com and join us on Facebook and LinkedIn. And now, today's episode. Hi, and welcome to the U.S. Law Essentials Law and Language Podcast. I'm Stephen Horowitz. And I'm Daniel Edelson. Today, we're continuing our focus on vocabulary, but we're going to do it through analogies. In other words, comparisons. The goal is to help listeners get familiar with the language of analogy and comparison, because in the U.S. common law system, judges and lawyers must frequently use analogy and comparison to effectively explain similarities and differences in cases. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Let's get started, Steve. Okay, today we have an analogy problem from an SAT test. Uh, SAT is the standardized test that U.S. students historically have had to take as part of the college admissions process. And this problem reads, car is to road as train is to blank. You got that? Okay, so car relates to a road in the same way the train relates to, and now we have four choices? Yeah, we've got track, vehicle, fast, and wheel. Okay, so a car relates to a road in the same way that a train relates to, and I have to choose track, vehicle, fast, or wheel. Yeah, what do you think, what do you think the right answer is? Well, cars to road, I know a car travels down a road, right? Uh-huh. And so in the same way that a car travels down a road, I would say a train travels down a track okay and okay so like so you could say a car travels down a road you could say a car drives on top of a road or drives on a road in the same way that a train drives on a track so that seems to work well what about vehicle yeah that that's tricky right because cars and trains are types of vehicles but that's that's not what we're comparing here we're comparing car to road and train to something else. So the first part of the analogy is telling us, is relating the car to the road, what the car moves on, and it moves on a road. A train doesn't move on a vehicle. So, so vehicle could make sense, maybe if you had a different kind of question that was car is to road as blank is to 
path or channel uh, or or something like that, because then it would be a car. A vehicle is a more general category for car, uh, and a path or a channel is a more general term or category for road. But but in this situation, vehicle doesn't make sense. Okay, what about fast? Fast cars to road as train is to fast. You know. Yeah, that doesn't work. Cause you'd have to say something like a car can go fast on a road and a train can also go fast. But that doesn't really make sense because when you compare a car to road, what all, all we know is the car travels on the road. You know, it can go fast or slow or whatever. And a train likewise goes on a track, but it, we're not talking about speed here. So I don't see why fast right. would work. Okay. Okay. And the last one, wheel? Jeez. Uh, train is to wheel. Um, oh, oh, I guess, do trains have wheels? Trains have wheels, right? So yes. Car, last I checked, trains have wheels. I mean, unless it's cars, one of those monorails yeah. that like glides on the, on the, mag, on the magnetic right, right, track right. and there's no wheel. <laughs> <laughs> right, but th that doesn't seem to be the call of the question. So, no. a yeah, again, a car, a car travels on a road, and I guess a wheel sort of helps a car travel on a road, and a wheel might help a train travel on a track. But again, it's car travels on a road, train travels on a track, and wheel is just not relevant to this comparison. <laughs> Yeah, a wheel is a part of a car, but a road is not a part of a car, and a wheel is a part of a train, but a road is not a part of a train, so wheel doesn't make sense there either. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could, I guess if it was something like car is to wheel as train is to maglev, <laughs> maybe, that would, maybe that would work. <laughs> there you go. Okay, you ready for one more? I'm not sure, but go ahead. Okay. This one's a little more abstract. Okay. Arrival, arrival is to departure as blank is to death. Ooh. Oh, okay. Okay. Arrival is to departure as something is to death. Okay. What are my choices? And, uh, life, person. Birth or train? Train again, huh? Um, yeah, again with the trains. Okay, okay. Well, all right, how about this? I could say, uh, like, an arrival is like the opposite of a departure, and life is the opposite of death, so maybe I should go with the first choice. Arrival is to part, is yeah, departure, it does. life is to death. There we go. And that's that's not a bad choice, right? And then person arrival is the opposite of departure, as person is the opposite of death. That wouldn't work so well because no. person is not the opposite of death. And train, I mean, you think about arrivals and departures, your brain jumps to trains, but but train is not the opposite of death. Um, right. So the the one other choice left is birth. Oh no. Oh. Birth um, is also the opposite of death, right? What is it? Um, Birth is kind of the opposite of death. You you could you could say. 
Yeah, it, it's it, it, it's almost like you're arriving into this world. Right. Uh-oh. A birth is like an arrival, and death, you could say, is like a departure. Oh. oh. So life, life is the opposite of death, and birth is the opposite of death. So they both fit the opposite relationship. So now we have to distinguish, I think, between life and birth, not in terms of just opposites, but something more specific. I see. I see. Well, but if they're both opposites, then how do I know which to choose? I I think of it like a a jacket. You're looking for a jacket that fits right. And the life jacket, so to speak, the life jacket fits pretty well. But I think the birth jacket fits even better. It's like custom tailored. (laughs) because birth is literally an arrival and death is a departure. And life is not an arrival. Life is the whole period, not just the beginning, whereas arrival suggests the beginning. So I think the, the birth analogy or the birth jacket fits a little bit better than the life one. That's a, that's a really good point. Well, all right. So Steve, I, I got a question here. This is supposed to be a podcast to help people learn English, right? And I feel as though people could answer these questions by simply translating these words into their first language and then deciding on an answer, you know, translating it. So how is this, how is this really going to help people learn, learn English? Um, I think this is particularly helpful for for learning academic English and, and legal English because it requires you to think about categorization words. And categorization words are crucial for effective legal English uh, communication because um, lawyers are frequently asked or called on or required to think about the general category for some specific terms. For example, if you, if you have emails, texts, and faxes, uh, a more general term might be electronic messages, or it might be electronic communications. Um, but the word you choose could have a big effect, and how you categorize something can have a big effect on what is legal or what is illegal or on what is a violation and what is not a violation. Um, and so being, yeah, being able to jump back and forth um, between the specific and the general in, in a way where you have a lot of control and you really understand the differences and the distinctions um, is a big part of what it means to be a lawyer in a U.S. common law system. That's, that's a really good point, Steve. And, and I'm actually thinking of something else, too. I think also, in terms of practicing one's English and practicing legal English, frequently in the U.S., the result that you come to in terms of your analysis isn't as important as explaining how you arrived at your result. So just like the way you taught me that birth is the better choice and you had to use different vocabulary, and you had to justify your reasoning, I think that process 
is really important for developing one's English and also for developing one's legal analytical skills. Yeah, I think you're right. So on the SAT, you only have to pick the right answer. But in this discussion, we're really focused on the conversation and the language we use to think through. And that's the kind of language you're going to need to uh, engage in communication in U.S. legal culture. That's, that's great. And can I use the word train again? Would that be sure. Okay? So I think yeah. some, great, some great training and practice that people could try is taking these same examples that we used and using your own vocabulary, try to explain why one choice is better than another choice and explaining how you would compare these different vocabulary words and ideas. I think that's great advice, Dan. Okay, thanks, Dan. Thanks so much. Uh, that seems like really essential information. Thank you, Steve. Okay, I got one more for you. Ready? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Stephen is too essential as Daniel is too. Uh, essential, I guess, right? Perfect. All right. Stay essential. Stay essential, Dan.